What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation, and you're listening to Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Go Raiders. Just win, baby. Eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to Full 10 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the full 10 yards of fantasy football podcast. This is, I am your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. No David Davenport here with you today. I'm going solo, as Jason Dulo would say in one of his songs, but with for very good reason that we have a very special guest on today. We have Mr. Adam Lord Murphy, uh, obviously part of Five, uh, five Yard Rush Nation, um, the head honcho, the the, dare I say it, the NFL UK uh, legend on these shores and yeah, much uh, a credit to to the community. Adam, uh, it's, it's been a long time having you back on. Obviously, you, you recently hosted me, so um, pleasure to do to return the favour. Uh, no, please, uh, please come back on anytime. Um, appreciate uh, you working around some work schedule things I've got going on at the moment, but uh, no, always happy to be on. I wouldn't say I'm the head honcho of uh, Five Year Rush, that's definitely Stocks. He, uh, he was the one that created and came up with it. I just sort of gate crashed and never left. I'm like that <laughs> that bad smell after a terrible house party that just takes weeks and weeks to fumigate. Only it's been about three years. Um, but yeah, love 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 coming on the show. Love talking with, with you. We always chat quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to uh, chatting about some of my favorite things in the world um, <laughs> that don't relate to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which would be a rare trend to uh, be from here. I'm sure it will be. I suppose we call you that if you're a, a podcaster or a, a, a crasher, we call you the Owen I mean, I mean Wilson of podcasts. I mean, who's, who's the other person? <laughs> was it Owen Wilson and uh, was it um, Vince Vaughn? Uh, Vince Vaughn. Yeah. I'll let you choose which one, but yeah. The gate crashes. Um, yeah, on on today's podcast, <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, obviously uh, we're going to talk about obviously the summer where we are currently at, right in the middle of July. Um, it's kind of uh, ominous with uh, or closely related to dynasty startups, rookie drafts, it's, it's best balls. Um, so yeah, Murph um, dabbles in quite a lot of that kind of stuff, and we'll, we'll get him to talk about his uh, fantasy football playbook, and we, we will have one of those to give away. And also, he has a bit a big competition that he's done uh, in his second year now, the Fantasy Football Challenge Cup. Um, I suppose Murphy is probably a good time as, as any to to kind of plug that all away now and talk about all the good work that you are doing. Um, so yeah, plug away. The floor is yours. Thanks. It's uh, yeah, it's been a great year so far. We recently just passed a hundred thousand downloads in the UK, which is an incredible achievement. Mm. Something that we didn't uh, expect to happen. Um, so the podcast, uh, with that announcement of a hundred thousand uh, doubled. Um, we now have a brand new college football podcast. I know there's one here on this network. Lee's been incredibly supportive with it uh, as, as well. And um, at, at the end of the day, there's there's not enough college content. Same way, it's not enough football content. Mm. Um, so, you know, to, to grow that out, we felt well, we have two great writers who are very passionate about it. One doesn't have a team, but loves watching it, loves watching tape and, 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 and Ash is really involved with it. It has been for a few years. So they've been grinding with us, the writers, knocking on the door, saying we want to do more, we want to do more. And um, that was pretty much the, what, what drove it. So it's not going to be me and Stocks hosting the show. It's going to be uh, Ash and, and Tom Scott. They're going to be hosting the, the show. I'm sure at some point I'll, I'll jump on uh, and talk Gators because there's not enough Gator talk in, in this world for my liking. Uh, 
Um, I'm sure stocks will probably jump on as well at some point to, to support them, but it's a standalone pod. Uh, it's on a different feed. You can, you can search that on your podcast networks. It should all be there. They dropped episode one. They'll be dropping a special episode with Jeff Reinbolt. Um, I think it's going to be this week. We said, as long as they reached a certain follower account on, uh, on the Twitter, which they have, which is at five yard college. Um, you talked about the fancy football playbook. We'll get into that. We launched that this year and that's been an overwhelming success. Went to number one on, in the Amazon UK charts for, uh, American football books, which is well beyond our widest dreams. And, uh, yeah, the pod's going well. We've got some great guests, uh, coming on. We've got fantasy pros is reigning, uh, accuracy champion, uh, Justin Boone on next week. So I'm looking forward to picking his brain as to why his rankings are so much better than everybody else's and uh, maybe learn a bit too. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously another big part of the things that you do, obviously, the, like say the Fantasy Football Challenge Cup is, uh, it's kind of, I think you said the, the emails are out today. I just maybe want to talk about why you wanted to create that and how it kind of all manifested. Yeah, so obviously the, you know, there's some great tournaments out there. The Scottish Bowl, which I just finished my draft uh, today uh, in. And this, you know, Scottish had a massive impact, not just in fantasy football, but in so many other things. And ultimately what makes uh, it special is it's a charity element. And we thought we wanted to do something very similar. And we have a, a lot of very eager players in, in the UK who, who play and we have a reach across the world. So, you know, one day I was sitting in front of the TV, I was watching the FA Cup draw and I thought, do you know what's, what's great is about the FA Cup is it's a straight knockout competition all the way through. It's none of these groups. It's just literally the team that goes through, they, 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 they win their way through and they end up winning the tournament and they may not be the best team in the tournament. And there's giant killings galore. And you might have some average Joe be, you know, a big favorite. And I thought, how great would it be to do a fantasy football format based on that? Um, now, obviously, because of the investment, it could be that you're in the thing for two weeks and that's it. I thought we'd do a best ball format. Uh, Rich King at Rich Fantasy Sports has helped me with the spreadsheet and he's helping me with the development on it to move it to Sleeper. We did it on fan tracks last year, which was, it was good, but it's still a bit of a disaster. Their scoring is, is yeah. they have a live scoring page that isn't live scoring and it confused everybody because they had two different scoring pages with two different scores and actually which one was the right score. Yeah. And so we decided just to do away with fan tracks um, completely. Uh, I don't uh, hate that decision at all. Um, move it to Sleeper, do the draft on there and we'll run everything in Google Sheets and host it live on the site where it's far more accurate uh, with more visibility. Mm. Um, so looking forward to that. And, you know, there's some excellent fantasy analysts uh, who have joined up and signed up and we thank them. Um, last year, the majority of, of fantasy analysts were eliminated to individual fans. And I think that's, that's the beautiful thing of it. Yeah. It's a straight knockout competition, um, best ball. So you don't have to worry about who to set your lineup or you just let it run. And then the best, the, the basically the team that drafted the best wins. That's how it works. It's no waivers, um, no setting your team, the best available lineup plays. It's super flex. Um, you have to get lucky, but I think you have to get lucky in any tournament to win it. And, uh, you know, Jack Humphrey of Kickers Matter, he was the first ever uh, La Champion, as we now have to call him, which is uh, <laughs> great, but also a tad annoying at the same time. Um, but I love you, Jack. I know you're listening. Um, and this year, um, let's hope we crown a different champion because uh, I think two years of Jack, that might be the end of the competition. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just, uh, it, it will close down and just have a new name. It'd be like FFFCC. 
that just uh, that's it yeah. uh, basically it would be the matter podcast it'd be the la champion podcast yeah, forever yeah. and we'll um we, we, we will mention about um playing playing in big tournaments like the scott fish bowl and like steve rains bowl and, and like the fftc um it's, it's going to be you're going to have slightly different strategies uh, as you would to maybe like a, a normal best ball 10 team league or, or whatever so we'll, we will touch on that a, a bit later on as well but uh with with all those things Murph, you know, you've, you've kindly given us um an, F, an fftc spot to give away uh, or two uh, we're going to give one of these away on the podcast as well with a, a fancy football playbook uh, that we do have so uh, simple if you want to win it all you have to do is just dm at full 10 yards uh, or f10y fantasy and all you have to do is uh, dm us with the hashtag always jarring which is very on brand for us uh, which leads me to uh, to say to you murph where's uh, where's your Always Jarwin projections this year. <laughs> I played Jarwin projections. That's a, a he's great not in the top ten. Me, we're we're closing this podcast. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I think he's sort of around about that. I'm literally uh, pulling it up as as we speak. Um, I got to make sure I'm in the right the right sheet. Otherwise, I give you the wrong one. Um, I think with Jarwin, I I the the thing that hurts him isn't him it's his it's his talent um it's great it's just the situation he yeah. he is in with so many mouths to feed in in that offense and i think that's the only reason and also tight ends once you reach a certain a certain point start to start to saturate and they just all become a bit meh, a bit like mm. quarterbacks yeah um and so you know you, i have a spread here so i i have jarwin uh, I have Jarwin at 17th, but to give you some insight, 12th is 20, 23 points behind. Mm. So that's, it's not a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a load of guys like he is 0.3 of a point behind Austin Hooper. He's two points behind Jack Doyle. You know, they're all kind of in the same sort of grouping Mike Gazicki's only a little bit ahead so I kind of have them all in like one big tier yeah. so yeah he's he's 17th but you know if, if he was he a, tw- a top 12 tight end this year would that shock me no wouldn't shock me in the slightest mm. I think you get to a, a saturation point with with tight end that's why I don't really value it that they're all kind of a much of a muchness um but I like I like Jarwin's talent if he was on a different team he'd probably be It'd definitely be a top 10 tight end, but I think you've got too many mouths to feed there that that will hurt him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think before the CD Lamb uh, draft pick came in on, on draft night back in what eight, end of April, uh, certainly he was a lot higher on Blake Jarwin then. And I said to a lot of people that you know, he's, he's good going under the radar, but obviously uh, CD Lamb could uh, siphon a lot of that from him. But yeah, we, we always support always, uh, Blake Jarwin on this podcast because he, he's our man. You've got to have something that no one else is interested in. So yeah, I, yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think I think he's a good player, and I think, you know, again, path to top twelve isn't isn't that difficult for him um, from from rankings. When when you get you, you tier these guys, and they're all so close, and you rank them, it's just like you're talking about a handful of in, a handful of receptions. You know, to close twenty two points is is he gets two touchdowns more than I say he does. Uh, he catches five more balls and gets forty fifty more yards, and that's that's just that's your points. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a big gap when you when you say it. So it's like. You say, oh, you're 18 on Jarwin, 17 on Jarwin. That's that's quite low. Mm. And then you say, well, actually, I've got all these guys in the tier, and I could just yeah. I could just literally throw the balls back up in the air, let them land a different way, and I could have Jarwin at, at yeah. 12 in, in in no problem. Mm. But um, I think that's that's the difference between projections in, in real life. But 
I guess I, I probably for me with, with tight ends, it's, it, pick one of the, those guys. There's a whole tier of guys there that anyone will do. Yeah, but if you like Jarwin, pick Jarwin. Always Jarwin is fine by me. I took him in the Scott Fish Bowl, so Good uh, I have Good no lad. problems with that. So he's uh, he's my tight end two behind Mark Andrews. So very nice. No, very nice. I, 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 I find it quite funny actually. Quite a lot of people tweeting us saying that they've picked it. They've picked uh, and doing the in, doing the hashtag. That's quite funny. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, this is it. If, if you can't be good, be different. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Just before we get into the crux of, of, of Dynasty, just a, a quick word, Murph, on your, your favourite type of, of league and types of setup, because there's so many different you know, scoring settings and so many different types of leagues you have. If you, if you could start one league tomorrow, say, say you wipe the slate clean with all your leagues, and tomorrow you start up a new league, you're a commissioner, what would be your, your format? What would you be your scoring settings of choice? Um, it's definitely a super flex tight end premium league. Um, I just think it gives you everything that you want every position is valued reasonably well um in a typical redraft league quarterbacks don't really matter um tight ends don't really matter um everybody lumps or you should do from a strategy perspective lump on rb and and wide receiver and you pick up those positions late and you'll get away just fine they won't lose you weeks um people will always give me the mahomes and the lamar jackson argument um, where both those guys went massively off and were uh, QB1s. They were drafted uh, anywhere between QB10 and QB15. So uh, living proof that it, it doesn't matter um, where you draft them in, in a one in a one QB league. Um, that's why I like Superflex. Superflex, you're forcing all the QBs to be drafted. You really will see 32 to 36 quarterbacks drafted. Um, which means there there isn't one just on the waiver wire for you to pick up and get lucky. Um, the same goes with uh, tight end premium. Uh, tight ends for me are like kickers. Uh, I just take his left. I don't care uh, because every year you you get a couple of guys like who who was drafting Darren Waller in the fifth round last year. Absolutely no one. I was picking them up for free off waiver wires, um, or I was drafting him in the last round of draft. There's always a guy like that. It happens every year. Mark Andrews was the same last year. Uh, Blake Jarwin this year. Blake Jarwin this year. It happens every year. And 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 if you can see the light early, you, you get in on these guys. And because you know, George Kittle was 2018s, you know you were getting him on the first week of waivers. Um, that's just what happens. Um, and, and that's where the tight end position just isn't. You've got three or four guys at the top of it, and then everyone else is a bit meh. So if you're not going to go and invest in one of the top guys, and I rarely do, uh, in a one tight end, no premium league, then you just might as well not. At least in a tight end premium league, what you do is you elevate people to have to take your, uh, tight ends early. And then it's that strategy. What well, do I invest in tight end early? Do I invest in quarterback early? How many do I need to take? Where do I need to take them? And then you start to see the, the running backs and wide receivers come down the board. And then it's about a value game and about, and it just adds all the different strategy elements. So um, that's what I like uh, a tight end premium. So you can do an extra half point. Um, I really like to set the, the, the cat amongst the pigeons and do a one point extra tight end premium um, just to give them a little bit more value, which will, you know, that will, that will move someone like, uh, like Travis Kelsey up into basically a top five, top six player um, doing a one point PPR. And then all of a sudden it's, you've got Kittle and Kelsey going in the first round. You've got Mahomes, Jackson, uh, maybe Prescott going in the first round. 
Um, then you've got your running backs, because otherwise the draft is the same. We know that yeah. the first four players will be running backs. Then there'll be a combination of running back wide receiver for the first three rounds. Someone will take Kelsey somewhere and someone will take Mahomes there. And but pretty much of the first 36 picks, 33 of them will be running backs and wide receivers. And it's mm. predictable. Mm. That's why I like the difference. No, like it. Like it a lot. Um, certainly, I certainly agree with you on that. I think Superflex uh, Titan Premium it kind of, I'm not going to say it's going to become the norm, but it's going to be the one that people are going to be, the, is going to be the go-to league. Uh, give it a couple of years, a couple of years from now. Um, so like we said, Murph, obviously a lot of dynasty startups uh, happen this time every year. Um, and there's going to be, you know, every year you get a new set of people that are drawn to the, the format of dynasty and the, uh, you know, generally people have their entry to to redraft and then dynasty is the kind of the uh the dessert if you like uh but what what would you say are you know two or three tips or tricks for, for those people that are experiencing dynasties for the first time this year uh maybe embarking on you know say their first league their first draft so i would say first of all i offer very different advice to whether you are playing with friends and you know everyone in the league versus those that you don't so if you've joined a random league and you know maybe one person in it, maybe you don't know anyone in it, um, play on the assumption to just treat it like a redraft. Go ahead and, and win the league year one. Um, treat that as, as your redraft. Don't worry about age. Don't worry about anything. And the reason I say that is most dynasty, dynasty drafts, uh, people give up by year two, year three. It's why when you see people doing money, uh, dynasty leagues, dynasty leagues, um, you see people getting a two-year buy-in. So, right, you pay your year one and your year two fees up front to join. And that's so you don't quit. So you've got a financial commitment in the game. Um, and that's because, yeah, one in three, one in four uh, dynasty leagues just sort of don't, don't last, um, especially when it's with uh, a bunch of randoms and with people that we or you don't know. Um, the propensity of people have a bad draft, load players get injured, see you later, I'll just quit. Um, and then what happens is after a couple of years, half the original league or a third of the original league have gone, the banter and everything kind of goes out of it and it all just sort of dies off. So draft a win early because you don't know how long you, that league is going to exist. That's always rule number one for me. Um, the, the second rule is don't try and draft too much for the future. Um, a lot of people invest heavily on all these rookies. Everyone's excited, especially when you see um, dynasty draft start in, in May. It's hilarious. You just see everybody drafting every single rookie going to man. Mm. And uh, that just means your team's not going to be good for a couple of years because very few of these rookies end up being good immediately. Mm. Um, wide receivers, very few end up being top 12 players. You had that amazing draft class of 2014 with OBJ, Mike Evans, for example, which of course that is the exception. This class could very well be near that, but you don't know the, the numbers tell me that more often or not than not uh, tight ends, tight end rookies don't really produce for a few years. Um, the running backs are the only rookies I kind of invest in. Most of them landed in spots where it's not a clear path to them being the number one immediately. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has to pass Marlon Mack. Uh, DeAndre Swift has to pass. Uh, carry on Johnson. So the first few weeks are going to be rocky. So you invest too high on all these players and it, it could go uh, heavily wrong for you year one and then you're playing for the and a high pick next year. So that's another. Uh, number three, vets are in heavily discounted. Um, you can get someone like Julian Edelman in like the 12th round of a startup dynasty, which is just nuts. Yeah. Like, I, I take the guy in the 10th round and just be done with it. Mm. He's got three years in him, maybe two, but he's got three years. Like that, that's the kind of play you just, everyone sleeps on because it's the known thing to do. Um, 
the other tip is just ADP. ADP in, in Dynasty is just out of whack. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's why people don't take – loads of people just draft off the ADP. Oh, yeah. well, the computer is telling me on ADP I should be drafting this player in this round. Yeah. Right? So I'm going to pick that player in that round. Do some research. Pick the players you want to pick. I'm not saying you reach too high. If you know Edelman is a 12th-round player on ADP and you take him in the 10th, he's a, he's a fifth-round player in redraft. You take him. Like – don't don't go and reach for a player who's going in 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 the 14th round in the sixth because you really like him yeah. but just keep an eye on where the adps are go a round or two early when you're getting into those double digit rounds it doesn't matter anyway so you know you get these guys and you get them you get them pretty cheap um that they're pretty much if you if you're in a league where you know everyone use that information who do they support who are their favorite players um because this is valuable information when it comes to trading. Trading is far more likely in, in, in dynasty leagues. So knowing who their favorite team is, who their favorite players are, go ahead and start taking those players before them, um, stash them, maybe play them, then trade them. Um, a really key one. Um, running backs, especially premium running backs, lose uh, value very, very quickly. In uh, a dynasty league I'm in, I traded Christian McCaffrey this year um, because I got an unbelievable price for him. Um, I got Alvin Kamara. I got two first-round picks next year, a first-round pick this year, um, and I got Marquise Hollywood-Brown, and I got a tight end because I needed one. I can't remember who it was. It was someone who – I think it was a Gaziki or something like that. So all of a sudden, I, I got a huge premium, and I'm going to take this player who has – maybe two years of fantasy relevance. And now I'm going to get five, 10 years out of the players I got. Mm, so, okay. and not for a lot of drop off, like I'll get some, but Kamara to CMC is maybe a hundred points, but I've improved, I'll improve my, my teams in other areas. So mm. um, that's, that's another good one, but yeah, just don't, try and play the win early. Uh, too many people try and, and go, I want the amazing super team in 2023. Mm. Um, good luck with that. That strategy doesn't work too well yeah that's that's kind of my view no i know i certainly agree and i'd say quite a lot of people in dynasty leagues i'm in i'm always the guy that's taking the ty hilton's the aj greens in the back you know in the in the this latest single digit rounds because no one wants them because everyone thinks oh you know they, they've still got one or two years in them but what are they going to do for me later on in that people want seem to want a lot of a lot of production for a lot of years. And like you say, even with rookies, you, 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 the hit rate is, is awful. Um, and so you, not, not all of them can be wide receiver ones because you've already got wide receiver ones in the conversation. So there's not really, you know, there's not much room left at the, at the dinner table to eat. So um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm fully advocate, you know, don't be afraid to draft uh, the, the people way to hit in 29, 30, 31 years old, because you can draft their replacements when you have your rookie picks in the, in the subsequent rookie drafts. And then, you know, you can, you know, cause you always get a first round pick. So you're going to get a, a fairly def, a decent plan. Just target a wide receiver. And if you really want to just move up and, and use a first and a third to move up a couple of spots to go and, to go and get your guy. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you on the on the you know who know who you plan against. You know, I'd, I'd be have a, an avid uh, Raiders fan uh, in one of our leagues, and I've got Henry Ruggs, and I know for a fact I'll get a hell of a lot more from him for Ruggs than I would kind of everyone else because everyone he's invested obviously in the team, and he's invested in that plan, and he wants to see a team on his fantasy team of which he supports go and score a touchdown. And that, you know, it's amazing. Like you say, when you're in May, it's May time doing these dynasty drafts, it's amazing how much value people put on imagination 
position or, or the unknown um, to you know, the values of, of you know, draft picks. You know, if, you're, if you're selling draft picks, always sell your draft picks around, around draft time because people well, are just getting infatuated and fascinated by players that haven't even stepped onto the field yet and might not even still translate uh, to, to the NFL. So, um, yeah, fully, fully with you uh, on, on that. And again, just a final one from me. Like you yeah, said, just, and, the, just and the best time to buy them Sorry, so the best time to buy these picks is when teams are fighting for championships. So when the play, like the playoffs start or at the end of a season, you think, "Wow, well, I'm not going to make the playoffs. Let me sell. Um, let me sell a player who I, I give you an example. I sold Joe Mixon for three first round picks yeah, in a draft. Like, thanks for coming. Joe Mixon is a great player. I'm not knocking him, but with those picks, I picked up Jonathan Taylor, um, Tua. And I can't remember who the other player was, but it was again another like marquee player. And I flipped a player who, okay, year one, I probably fall kind of maybe slightly down, but for the next couple of years, I've got I got talent everywhere, and like there were massive holes in my roster I had to fix. So, you know, sell, try and buy picks at the end of seasons when players need players, uh, fantasy players need actual players to win championships because yeah. you'll get you'll get top dollar and sell your picks right near the draft because you'll get top dollar as well because people will start doing the draft research and get excited. Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, just a final, a final note, I say don't be afraid to, to go and get your players, but obviously, yeah, like I say, Murph, to take a cursory glance at, at the ADP, look about where they're going in, in general, uh, and then just say, if you, if you like a player, especially if you're on turns as well, you know, don't, don't, um, don't gamble on them coming back to you on the next turn because, say, some some leagues are like 20, 20, uh, 12 to 14, 16 teams. So, that's, what, another 32 picks until it gets to you. Just just take the player that you want. Um, and then say, because, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than having a fantasy team full of players you don't, you don't like or didn't want. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not, not, yeah. not that I've fallen foul of that yet, but, um, yeah, it, do, it does happen. There, there are drafts you come out of, especially mock drafts. And mock drafts as well is, is, is another good one, just to try and get a feel for which players, um, especially for the fantasy pros uh, draft simulator, just to get a kind of a feel of which players are falling in which, uh, which leagues and then use your knowledge of the league to, to adjust them accordingly as well. And if, you, if you're feeling really fruity, obviously, projections, Get your double your hand at some projections as well, so you have your own list and you have your own um, ideas of what values are and where players should be should be going as well. So, um, okay, so there they are, are the. They, there are the uh, the tips and tricks for anyone starting a new dynasty league. And so let's talk about the, the drafting strategy then, Murph, because everyone has a, uh, loads of different um, kind of ways that they draft. You know, zero RB, you know, late late QB, um, you know, running back heavy to, to start with. Um, so, in terms of dynasty, what what common mistakes do do people make in in dynasty? Obviously, we, we've talked about age. Are there, are there any other any other misconceptions? Because obviously, you can also have drafts where rookie picks are included or the rookie players are included as well. I think the the major ones are going in with a strategy. It sounds silly, right? Um, you should be prepared, but you just said it there: zero zero RB. If you're going in committing to a zero RB strategy, you you will lose your draft, just guaranteed. Not because zero RB isn't any good, although I don't subscribe to it, but because what you're going to do is you're going to overlook value for no matter what. So walking in with a predetermined list of I'm going to draft wide receiver round one, running back round two, running back round three. You know what the board looks like. Like the board is going to make a massive determination as to what you do and don't do. So you need to be aware and you need to be very nimble and you, you have to just go with where the board goes, have a list of the players. Now I, I tell people over and over again, and I've written this in the book, tier your players, 
don't go after one player. Have a t- That's why I just mentioned with tight ends. I have a whole heap of guys in that range where Jarwin is. There's about eight guys that are in that tier. So if, as long as I get one of those eight guys, it could be a Jarwin. It can be a Gaziki. It could be a Goddard. I don't, I don't mind. It doesn't necessarily matter because the difference is so small. As long as I get one of these guys before there's a drop, I don't mind. So when you're drafting and you build your tiers, and if you don't know, we do tiers. You'll probably do tiers. Other sites will do tiers. Look at the points, a projected point, or whatever it is you want to do. Draw some lines and go, okay, so if I don't take one of these two guys, the next drop is 30 points. That's quite a lot. So I need to get one of these two guys. And then you go, okay, so, but my wide receiver tier group might be 10 players. Right, so the scarcity is at running back. I have to take a running back here or I'm going down a tier, maybe two. Running back, I'm going to get one of these 10 guys on my next pick. So I'm, I'm okay. I can, I can skip that. That's the biggest mistake people make because they shoehorn themselves into a strategy. And then what happens is they don't get, the, you know, they miss out on a massive difference maker in a round because they've not built their roster properly or they, they, they're just not even looking. They've gone, right, I'm committed. I'm taking T.Y. Hilton in the fifth round. And then all of a sudden, someone like um, Le'Veon Bell's there. And you might not like Le'Veon Bell, but in the fifth round, he's a massive buy. It just, it, you know, you've got, you got to look at the board. You've got to look at what people are doing. Try and anticipate what they're doing. Try and think if you can gain an advantage. If you see someone that's struggling with QBs, maybe take an extra QB. Um, just to really make it difficult, depending on the type of format you're, you're in. I think that's the first mistake people make. Uh, the other one is they, they I like the idea of, of picking players that you really like, but the two things that people do more often or not is they overvalue players they really like and they really heavily undervalue players that let them down the year before. I'm not drafting so-and-so because he was a massive letdown. Well, that could be for a number of reasons. He could be coaching. It could be, it could be a number of things that could really let that player down. Uh, that might not be his fault. And so when you overpunish players who did badly last year and you overvalue players you like, you end up taking players at the wrong spot and then you're not getting value. It's like you mentioned AJ Green. I see people taking AJ Green in the sixth round of drafts and I just scratch my head going, the guy's not, the guy's not played in 18 months. Like you're really going to pass on players like Marquis Brown you're going to pass on players like Julian Edelman potentially for, for an AJ Green. Like, come on, let's, let's, let's get serious for a second and think the guy's not played. You don't know what you're getting. It's a complete crapshoot. Um, whereas I see people that's like, I'm not taking Le'Veon Bell this year because he didn't do it for me last year. And you're like, well, okay, yeah. And you might not like the Adam Gaze offense, but if Le'Veon Bell's there in the fourth or fifth round, you've got to take him. Like, mm. you just have to because of the fact that he is, he's going to get so many touches. That's mm. just the way that this works. And all right, it may be in a dynasty you want to fade him. Um, I see people taking Jonathan Taylor in the second round of redrafts, and I see them taking him in, in the end of the first round in, in, in dynasty. And you think, okay, I get that you really like the player. I love Jonathan Taylor, by the way. Like, I subscribe to how good he could be. But it's like you say, it's a crapshoot. Take someone that you know is going to return the value of your pick. And if he goes, he goes. Uh, like, it happens, but you've got to think about the value all the way through because 
building teams that you like just don't work for you. Mm, I think I think similar comments there is with, with Lev Bell. A similar one name is going to crop up, no doubt, this summer. Is David Johnson as well, obviously moving over to the Texans. He's going to be another one where people are like, oh, he's done nothing for me for, for two years and um, letting him drop down. But he potentially could be walking into, even if he is a shadow, a bit of a shadow of himself uh, in one of his, his decent seasons in Arizona, he could uh, he could be fed a lot of touches uh, if he holds healthy as well. So he's similar to Levy and Bell. A lot of people will will pass over David Johnson but say if he's sitting in there in the fourth, fourth fifth sixth round give me give me the potential to have a lot of a lot of touches I don't know what your thoughts are on David Johnson yeah so exactly the same I think he's slightly different because of the team that he's going to I think that's something to to think about I there's a place for him um because David I, I Johnson's think, not going to be a player where you, you, people are going to be on the fence. You're, I don't think there's going to be you're even going to be one side of the fence or the other. You're not really going to be on the fence because you can't. See, I disagree. I think no? I think he's the perfect fence player because he's the sort of player where there, there's talent, but it's not quite what it used to be. Um, the fact he's going to a new start will help, but obviously you've got to take into consideration he is not the player that that you thought uh, he once was, and as long as you understand that. I don't think you can overly punish him for um, for previous injuries, but at the same token, I think you've got to be prepared that he will miss time. Um, so I think if you're thinking of him as uh, outside the top 24 running backs and you're drafting him with the hope that it works out, I don't mind that as much. So I think if you're getting him around RB30, RB29, which I don't think he ever will, then I think you go, okay, fine. I'll take a risk there because the cost of getting that wrong isn't as much. When you get into the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th round, the requirement for that player to be good isn't as high as it is in the first four rounds. And you can take your shot. And if it doesn't work, you can get a replacement and you don't have to hold on to them. Whereas I don't think you can take a player like David Johnson early. And if someone else takes him, someone else takes him, like you just, you just move on. I think you have to have a value of where you feel comfortable taking the player. And at the same point, you see where that matches up with the ADP. Like I know my value of Dalvin Cook is absolutely nowhere near where anybody else's value of Dalvin Cook is. So I won't take Dalvin Cook. I don't like this holdout situation. He's got no leverage. He has one shoulder injury away from being out for nine months. Like I have Dalvin Cook this year in my projections because I'm projecting him to miss time. I have Dalvin Cook as my running back 26. And I know that absolutely nobody is going to value him at the RB26. Mm. Therefore, mm. I'm not getting Dalvin Cook. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. No. People can go and take him in the first and second round. But, and if he turns out to work, fine. But I'll, I'll live and die by that decision. But I'm very comfortable with it. Mm. Um, and I think you've just got to have that kind of value and as soon as you know where you value players and then you look at the ADP and you think what the chances of me getting him and if you think that your value is wrong and you want to revise up you can you can always move and be nimble in your draft to do what you want to do but the worst thing you can do is overdraft a player like if a player is you can get him four rounds later wait three rounds I get going up around to get your guy I don't have a problem with that I did that with Robert Woods all summer I've went one round higher than everybody else to get him. I'm fine with that. It's when you go two rounds, three rounds, four rounds, five rounds. That's when you're like, mm, I probably shouldn't do this. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's where you've got to be aware. And if someone else snipes you, then fair enough. That's why you've got a tier. Yeah. That's why you've got other names in there. So you should never, ever feel like you've been sniped. No. You should feel like, okay, I missed a player. I'm going to go with player B. Yeah. 
No, I totally agree. And that probably brings us on quite nicely to kind of the mid rounds of drafts. Like you say, the the precedent that they need to be a good player or like a or you know like an RB one or wide receiver one is is kind of less of less importance. It's more. What what would you say? Um, yeah, let, let's say for instance, you know, we've we've started our our starting lineup. So maybe like two running backs, two wide receivers, or maybe a flex as well. In the in the middle rounds, what what kind of strategies do you do you suggest that are probably um, Worth worth trying to adhere to. Is there any particular you know position, age, and again we're talking talking mainly dynasty draft here. Is there anything in particular in the middle middle rounds that you try and abide by? Was it again just case of staying fluid? Definitely staying fluid. Um, get some vets. You can get guys in the late middle rounds like T. Y. Hilton, Julian Edelman. We talked about that. I think they're huge values. Um, I think what you're trying to do at that stage is where you build a solid portion of your squad i think a lot of people there tend to reach and go for oh well if this player comes in he's going to be incredible like alexander Matson, tony pollard those are the sorts of players that people will look at and go oh my god these guys if zeke gets injured if dalvin cook gets injured i think dalvin cook is more likely to get injured than, than zeke these guys are going to be unbelievable but what you're doing is you're basically throwing away a pick to pick a guy who might be great if someone gets injured. Yeah, There's a value in doing that. It's not in the middle rounds. It's the, maybe the back end of the middle rounds, but it's the double digit rounds is where you should be doing that. In those rounds, six to 10, um, I like to get, um, I like to get a tight end there. But again, I look at my tier, wait till they're nearly all gone then pick one. Um, like to get a quarterback there. Um, and quarterbacks, depending on the type of, uh, dynasty you do if it's super flex they'll be going off the board well before um and that's where it's quite hard because the different type of league you're in yeah. you know a super flex league quarterbacks are going to be going in the first second third fourth and fifth round which is going to be very different from your normal boards I, I think be fluid look for value look for where your tiers are if you see someone that's fallen and i tell you the best player to take in the middle rounds is, is i've already mentioned his name robert woods he's going in seventh eighth round of of dynasty drafts just just hit that every time. Just hit that button. He'll be great for you for three years. Um, he's going to be a top six wide receiver this year. I firmly believe that. And just just that's a player you smash all summer long. Just don't just just don't think about it. Just take him. Seventh, eighth round, even in the sixth, smash it. There's some good players. And and this is where you want to find some guys who will be productive, but with potentially good ceilings. I like guys there like Terry McLaurin. I like guys like Marquise Brown there. I like um AJ Brown probably going a little bit higher now. Um, those are the sorts of players who are young, productive, um, stock up with a veteran running back. Uh, they're, they're in those rounds in the dynasty draft, sort of a six to eight round, you're probably getting players that have only got a couple of years left. I don't mind grabbing one of those to really shore up and give myself um, some extra room. Um, I think that's kind of the key is you need to find guys that you're going to be happy playing with week in week out if your starter goes down yeah don't just go for the guy who might be the home rumble if this guy starts he'll be incredible mm. but for him to start something's drastic got to happen it's more about well you hit doubles if we're using an american baseball vernacular i'm going to hit a guy who might not be the top 12 but you know what he's going to be a top 24 player in that position uh, and if i have to start him from week one to week 12 because my star players got injured i'm okay with that it's not the, it's not the same but it's fine like if i lost it, you know if i if i lost uh chris godwin had to put in robert robert woods i wouldn't be too upset like i'd be a, it'd be annoying but 
you're fine. Yeah. Um, something like that happens, you, you'll always be okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, it's a really good point. You say a lot of people you, you find try and take the stabs before, before anyone else can get get to the people players like Pollard and Max and like you say um going going into the later rounds then obviously um and I think another common mistake that people make is quite a lot of people will pick meh players players that are just going to sit and rot rot on your bench do you yeah no, dare, dare I say it, people like Jalen Rashad or yeah you know, or, or you know in PPR obviously it's a bit more apparent but just people that are just you know you like you yeah. say don't feel comfortable playing but you draft them in because you don't want someone else to draft them just in case something you know like say an injury comes down uh, and then they they come into something what, what would you what would you what do you abide by in, in the later rounds do you do you just pick players up that are that are high upside and you know within a couple of weeks of the season you you know whether or not they've, they've got a spot on the roster you know like say later round rookies like i don't know uh just off the top of my head like a, a lynn bowden or a, a tyler johnson for the for the buccaneers do you draft those kind of players over say the the guys that are dare i say it, fighting for roster spots I think for me, it all kind of depends, right? So what I'm trying to do at that stage is, yeah, I'm looking for some, I'm looking for some guys that are potentially steals, um, but I'm also looking for guys who are going to contribute to my team um, or taxi squad. If you're playing in a league with taxi squad, a guy I'm prepared to sit and wait for a year. Tyler Johnson might fit into that bracket. He might not. Um, there are certain players there that would absolutely um, fit into it. I'm just pulling up... Um, a couple of dynasty leagues which I, I drafted in recently so I can kind of give because a player that springs to mind actually sort of Murph, is Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson perfect player for land absolutely he could be especially now he's going to play in 2020 with the Eagles he's someone that could win you a league in that position or, or at least contribute very well yeah. um, so give you an example so what I kind of did I was in a super flex dynasty league I took uh, five QBs um, before round 15 because they were all kind of going off one of them is Mitch Trubisky, right? This player I absolutely don't like. But um, the reason I took him was because there were a couple of teams that needed a QB. If he starts, if he's announced as the starter in, in camp, whatever camp looks like, I can immediately trade him. Yeah. Took him yeah. in the fifth ring round. doesn't matter. I can trade him and I can get a pick or I can get something that I need. Um, and that's because I'm aware of the board. I know what's going on. I know there's two teams that desperately need a QB. They haven't taken one. I'm going to really run that position um, dry. I took both. I took Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. So I had them both. I took them both back to back. So I guarantee one of them is the starter. I can flip them and I can get rid of the other one and release them. And I've got no problem with that. Mm. Um, these are the sorts of players I took late that I just feel could do something. Golden Tate, veteran, you know, Giants offense. Yep. Anyone's a guy there. Could be could be decent. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Alshon Jeffrey, similar to your, um, similar to your D-Jax. Taking a shot there. If he's the wide receiver one there, he's got great value. He's going to be great on my roster. Uh, Miles Boykin, same thing. Young player as well. Slot receiver if the Ravens throw the ball more. Um, Jarek McKinnon, we've already seen most has got trade, you know, asked for a trade. If he goes, he gets immediate value. If Coleman goes down and he's fit. Again, if he doesn't, I can cut any of these guys. I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Peterson, exactly the same. We saw what happened last year. He was fantasy relevant. Yeah. I took him in the 22nd round of a dynasty draft. Like 22nd round, like it doesn't matter if the guy doesn't work, just bin him and get somebody else. Um, yeah. Benny Snell, exactly the same reason in Pittsburgh. Um, and then I took Nick Boyle in case Mark Andrew goes down. Um, Joshua Degara, because in case he wins the, the tight end job in, in Green Bay, I took him with the very the 25th round, my final pick. I'm just looking for guys that could that could hit. I'm taking darts. Yeah. Um, don't don't 
draft a player that is meh, that's not going to contribute immediately. In a redraft league, like a large tournament, we'll get to that. Different. In a dynasty league, just take take guys that you could potentially sell if they go hot. If Ashwin Jeffrey has three big games, he immediately goes on the trade block and someone is paying me a second round pick or a first round pick for him. No, and that's all I'm trying to do. With these guys, I either cut them or they manufacture something and I sell them when they're high. Like, I've already got people asking me, can I have the Chicago back too in the quarterbacks? And I can package them both and I can sell them both. Yeah, no, I like it. Because the guy doesn't have a starter. No, no, this is it. No, great, uh, great advice there. So if you pick around to Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, I think the only person that likes Mitch Trubisky is Ryan Pace, but we're, that's for another podcast. Um, you mentioned there, Murph, about obviously playing in, in big tournaments, FFCC being obviously one of them. Um, again, big tournaments tend to have funky scoring systems, so we won't obviously dive too much into um, you know, the, the granular level of those. But what, what would you say is the, is the main difference between your, your drafting strategies for stuff like the Scott Fishbowl and, and, and the, uh, all the big tournaments because you know going by generally by the same rules as you would do as a 10 to a 12 team best ball it's not usually going to get the job done you usually have to you know, try and be a bit different or do something a bit um that separates you from the rest of the crowd how, how do you approach the big tournament um, drafts best ball drafts i think those tournaments are and again i've just finished my, my scott fish bowl draft you're playing with sharp players in that particular league you can't sit there and expect to dominate the same way that you can in a home league i know in a home league i can draft someone like reggie bonifon in like the 20th round because no one knows who he is yeah. um for those of you who don't know who he is he's the backup <laughs> to christian mccaffrey in carolina yeah. so i'll pick him with my very last pick every time because if christian mccaffrey goes down i've got effectively a new christian mccaffrey yes he won't be as good but he'll be pretty close um, i'm fine with that with a last round pick if it doesn't pan out boom i'll just get rid of him it's no problem but unfortunately in the scott fishbowl there's a, a lot of really smart people who will take him you know in the 18th round instead of the 20 seconds so you don't get players like that um you have to be agile you have to move with the board um you have to be smart you have to know the scoring settings something like scott fishbowl where they do a completion percentage bonus you have to know the scoring to go into it otherwise you're dead you're already dead i'll give you an example first pick in that draft was was drew Brees, who went off as quarterback four and everyone's sitting there like well drew Brees is a bottom 12 quarterback in normal scoring yeah, but he has the highest completion percentage of anybody in the league. He doesn't get sacked. And that's, that's you have to know the scoring and you have to know the settings. You have to do some research for these things. Yeah. Something like the, the, the FFCC, it's a best ball tournament. So you're not setting the lineups. There's no waivers. You have to take a mixture of really good producers that are going to contribute to your team and mix them with guys who might just flare up for a week. So, for example, there was someone who had an extremely good roster last year who would have been competitive in the later rounds had they got through round one, but got eliminated because a guy had Sammy Watkins who went off week one and scored 40 fantasy points. That's where the format is completely nuts. So you have to have high producers who might just work for one week or two weeks mixed in with solid producers. So this is where guys like Deshaun Jackson, uh, Sammy Watkins, they'll only do it three times a year, but when they do it, they win you a week. And in a single elimination knockout tournament like the FFCC you need those guys because if you run into them your tournament's over and you could have the best roster in the whole thing yeah um we've got with the Steve Raids Bowl the same thing with with the best ball slightly smaller divisions or in fact because it's not head-to-head you it's a point accumulation so you need to draft these guys who have big productions because it's your best lineup every week 
So you have to always look at plays. There's no point drafting someone like Adam, Adam Humphreys, although I took him in the Scott Fishbowl for PPR as my wide receiver eight, I think. Um, there's no point drafting him in the Steve Rains Bowl because he'll never register a score no. um, because it's best ball. So you're better off going with Jalen Hurd, who might have one great week of 20 points and then do nothing. Yeah, doesn't it seems like wacky that you'd be picking guys who might just have one or two great weeks, but that's kind of what you've got to do. Doing all these handcuffs and having people just sit there and taking players and the injured doesn't really work as well as just taking a guy who just you know what for a couple of weeks a year he's just going to absolutely fluke a great result. Um, it's hard to work out who those guys are going to be, but taking slot receivers doesn't really pay off. You need to take. Um, long field guys as field stretches really pay off so your D-Jaxes um, you know they're the guys that are really going to pay off in a, in a format like that Sammy Watkins anyone that can take the, the Marcus Robinson in the last Ginn, round Trent they're the Conn sorts Smith. of guys you want Ted Ginn uh, yeah anyone like that could just have a you know a, a 6 142 and, and 2 game those are the guys you just anyone that has any reach to do that they're the guys you need to take late on. Um, don't boring players who aren't going to do anything for you. That's yeah. that's kind of the only only advice I can give you. Um, is just shoot for the moon. Yeah. Just shoot for the. This guy could be incredible. Therefore, I'm going to draft him. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Shoot for the moon, and because you might reach the stars. Um, okay. So let's moving away back uh, from from breast ball uh, of this part of the uh, fantasy football playbook that, that you released. Um, if you talk about um, streaming uh, some of the different positions in in the fantasy football um, in the fantasy football game, and you talk a lot a lot about the PAS metric. Um, do you just want we'll talk about how that looks in terms of quarterback and, and tight ends uh, and, and streaming just want to just talk about what the, the metric that you came up with is for those that haven't um, that haven't got the book yet and why they you know reason why they should buy it, obviously yeah the, the PAS metric is something I've been uh, kind of toying with for a while and then eventually managed to quantify it and put it into a, um, a metric so what I did last year is I set a um, I set myself out of stall and said right I'm going to stream every position I'm going to pick one position, one player in each position, um, and every week I'm going to score that person. And at the end of the season, I'm going to see where that player would equate to. And the goal was to get a QB1, a uh, RB2, uh, wide receiver 2, um, a tight end 1, a uh, DST1, a kicker 1. And that was the, the goal. Um, and so what I did is, is I pick a, a player every week in that position. The rules are they had to be under 30% owned, therefore considered to be widely available. Not this whole, oh, well. 75% to, crap. Exactly. What's the point of that? Like, yeah. what's the point of recommending someone that almost everybody owns? It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. So 30% I felt was a good threshold. If that player went over 30%, I couldn't pick them again until they went back under 30%. Um so that's basically how it worked. And what I did is at the end, I, I got my positions of where these players ended. And um, what I then did is did a points per game. So I worked out what they score points per game and then worked that out against every other player's points per game. Um, and what it did is it came up with a metric, which is the, the points against streaming metric. And what that does is tell you based on performance last year, uh, what players were, uh, what how many points per game above the the stream and how many were below so for example I'll give you an idea i had the quarterback two overall the only quarterback that beat my streaming model last year was lamar jackson i beat everybody else uh with my stream of 30 percent owned quarterbacks 
However, there were six players that beat the stream, and that's due to the fact that they were injured or, or whatever. But no one beat it above one, with the exception of Lamar Jackson. Um, because you had guys like Matt Stafford, who didn't finish the season, but at the time he went down on points per game basis, he he was the head of my stream pace. Um, and that's kind of how it, how it came about. Um, and what it really did is highlight a lot of different things. Position scarcity being um, immensely important. So mm-hmm. running backs and wide receivers are very, very difficult. You know, I finished up with the wide receiver. I was uh, running back and wide receiver three, so in the 30s. Um, the wide receivers actually, I was on pace to have a wide receiver two, and then Anthony Miller got injured in week 17 and killed that. Mm-hmm. Um, had, he, had he produced anywhere, he needed like a five-point game to, to get me to 24th instead of his 30th. Um, but, you know, the other positions, I, I did have a, a, a top 12 finish in. Um, and it shows to me that those positions just carry a lot less value in a, what you want to call a standard or, or it was a PPR scoring format. So what looking at roster construction is running backs and wide receivers matter a heck of a lot more to everybody else because the opportunity to find a replacement is much harder. Um, if I lose a running back one off my roster, a CMC, a Zeke, I'm more than likely replacing them with a running back 30 if I stream every week. So I'm not getting a consistent performer to where I was. Whereas if I lose Lamar Jackson, I can stream a replacement that would be better than everybody else. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. So those positions don't matter when you lose them. And that's so now when I draft, although I kind of knew this, but I had no scientific proof of it. My drafts are very running back and wide receiver heavy um, very early on because I know I can replace my tight end. I know I can replace. And when I say replace, they're not going to be exactly the same. They're not going to score just as many points, but they're not going to score me enough points to lose me weeks. And I think that's the real key. It's not about winning weeks. It's about losing weeks. And that's the thing that streaming people can't get into their heads. They can't see. They want to find the guy who's going to win their week. No, you need to find the guy who's not going to lose your week. If you can find a guy who's going to put 16 points up against a 20-point replacement who's got injured, those four points probably aren't going to cost you. It would be the other positions that will cost you. If you've gone for the guy that might score 25, but score seven, uh, Fitzpatrick is a great example of this. You're in trouble. So that's where finding the right stream with the right matchup every single week is, is so key. Um, because if you, if you, what you can do is you can punt positions in drafts. Um, we don't even need to draft a, a, a you don't need to draft a defense and you don't need to draft a kicker you just don't, you don't need to do it it's just a waste of a, a, a draft pick um you can just stream those guys and you'll stream you know the sixth fifth fourth best kicker it doesn't matter even if they're seventh it's fine they're not going to lose you weeks they're not going to win you a lot of weeks but they're not going to lose you a lot of weeks save your draft picks for the players who could win you weeks mm. yeah it's, um, it's, um, it's going to be some leagues out there, and certainly I'm in some one of those. Um, one of my main, main leagues is where we only play one quarterback. So obviously, you know, there'll be some people that go into drafts and say, "Okay, right, I'm going to punt the position. I'm going to stream it." But what happens if they go into a draft where, um, you know, say, for instance, they don't maybe don't know half the people in it, but then you know, for some reason, you know, all the teams decide to draft two quarterbacks. Uh, so let's say 14, 14 team leagues. Obviously, you pick your one, and then there's no longer the option really to to stream. Is that um, how, how would you uh, navigate that if you're that person that's sitting on the on the one QB? Do you then go and 
would you do would you leave it and just try and see what happens during the during the season and pick up someone up from the waivers if one gets injured or um, how would you how would you navigate somewhere where it's not quite quite gone to plan in, in that respect um i think first of all the strategy in 14 16 team leagues versus 8 10 and 12 is slightly different mm. um i would advocate a 2qb draft in 14 16 team leagues i think it's important because you're right it's 28 32 QBs, um, they'll all pretty much be off the board. Um, in a 8, 10, 12 team league, in a 12 team league, the most I've ever seen drafted is um, I've never seen anyone draft more than 20 uh, quarterbacks before. Um, and people might, there might be 21, 22, 23 off the board. I think, well, there's a couple of factors to this. One, I guarantee you there's at least four quarterbacks that will get injured this year. You pick up their replacement, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, second of all, if you really feel like, I think if you're not getting the, if you're going too far into the twenties and QBs, take one. I think once you get to like QB 26, I wouldn't want to be relying too much anymore. So I think I'd want to be grabbing the two in the draft, but as for streaming, it's all about matchups, right? So week to week is hard in the beginning. The beginning weeks is the hardest for streaming because you don't know who's good and who's not. Last year's rankings are irrelevant the draft has nullified all of that so you then need to find players who you think could be productive and be productive week to week so you look at matchups you look at who might have bad defenses and the more that we know by week three week four we know who the good defenses are we know who the bad defenses are so then you target the quarterbacks that are going to be playing the bad defenses preferably at home um make a difference um one of the players I always think will be available will be a player like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he starts week one. You can always start with Ryan Fitzpatrick week one. Um, and then go through Derek Carr is probably another example of someone who will start week one who probably won't get drafted. So we tend to start with those kind of guys who will produce and do something. Um, and then every week onwards, I'd be looking to see what I do. So typically my strategy is I would start, I'd draft a quarterback if I felt there was enough value really late in the draft and there was someone like a Tannehill or a Cousins there, I'd, I'd take second. Um, if not, then I, I'd just I'd be quite happy to draft. My real advocation is always draft two and it's just look to when to dump that QB and find someone better. Mm. And the same goes with any other position. Um, I write in the book that there's positions that you should stock up on and take extras because eventually you'll throw them away anyway. And people get too attached to their rosters. People see guys on there and get too yeah. attached. Yeah. You just have to be prepared to cut and go and go somewhere else. But when it comes to streaming, looking at matchups is, is really important. Looking at um, just looking at trends, looking at how players are performing is, is really important. Looking at cornerback matchups. Luckily you won't have to do any of that because I'll be doing the column every week on our website and I'll tell you who I, who I would be streaming in that situation. And, um, look to get you those performances but it's much harder to, to to stream a running back and a wide receiver don't draft a defense draft extra players um you can stream that the scoring and defense is so bad uh, especially kickers god uh, i've never i can't draft a kicker anymore it just doesn't make any sense um, i'll just pick one up because they're all the same it's so yeah. immersed scoring it's like the spread between one and 12 is is 2.7 points a game it's been consistent for the last five years. It's, it's like the variable when it is non-existent. It hasn't even moved half a point either way per game in the last five or six years, right in the book. So drafting a kicker is, is, a, is, a, is irrelevant. 
just got to pick a kicker. You pick any kicker and you were going to be fine as, as long as you start one. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter because the scoring is so crap in kicking and DSTs. They, it doesn't matter who you've got as long as they're not ultimately rubbish. Streaming a, a, streaming a, a D is easy. You're streaming as a really bad offense. Last yeah. year, it was anyone that was playing Washington, anyone that was playing Carolina, anyone that was playing um, there's a couple more, Miami, anyone that was playing uh, there's probably a couple others I've forgotten. Uh, Cincy, there were all teams, um, even anyone playing Tampa with the amount of turnovers they were kicking off. They were, they were like gimmies every week. You'd find someone on the roster that was playing those four or five teams that was on waivers. And you yeah. just go, right, I'll have that one this week. Thanks very much. It, you know, stream your kicker, stream your DSTs. Don't invest too much in them. Uh, quarterback is harder. You have to find, there has to be a number of them. Um, uh, but yeah, just pick one that's playing against a bad, a bad, a, a bad D. Um, yeah. Same with, if you want to stream wide receivers, um, take the wide receiver two who will probably be unowned on really bad fantasy teams. Um, so last year, that was someone like Preston Williams. That was someone like um, Zach Pascal, Darius Slayton. Um, these were all guys you could have streamed very easily who just were ending up picking up points galore. Um, not enough to win you leagues, but certainly not enough to lose them and certainly better than the players that you're sitting on your bench because you're too, you're too worried that someone's going to pick up Alshon Jeffrey in the hopes that he might recover from his injury and be a, be a star. Just be ruthless with your roster. Turn yeah. it over every now and again. You'll, you'll be better for it. Yeah. It's amazing that she mentioned about the attachment people get to, to their drafts and like, certainly I've seen in instances where say you come to week two, week three and people will still won't trade you someone that they've selected in the sixth round for someone you selected in the ninth round because it's it's flipped but they still have the attachment because they oh I can't you're you're offering me someone that you picked three rounds later four weeks ago that yeah I'm not I can't I can't do that trade but yeah it's, it's quite it's quite funny. Um finally before we get out of, here, uh, out, out of here Murph just a, a quick if you are look at someone that does look to stream uh or maybe someone that's going, going to try it obviously that um all comes down to kind of the waivers and the strategy of waivers is there any kind of fab strategies that you have if you are looking to stream and um you know do, do you are you an advocate for the fab rather than the, like, the reverse order waiver priority a massive advocate of the fab everybody should have the opportunity to yeah. stream players uh, all the time um be very disciplined with your fab it does run out um, give you a great example. I was in a league last year that someone spent all their money on Wayne Gorman. Um, yeah, great, great week when uh, Barkley went out. Um, and that one week, it paid off really well for him. And then the following week, he, he got injured and he was done. Um, and that's all your season fab. Now, for a guy like that, in that unique opportunity, I think setting a cap around 15 to 20% of your fab is fine. If someone wants to overpay you, so be it. Um, there's always guys every year. There's always a Wayne Gorman. There's always a Jonathan Williams of, of the Colts. Um, there's always guys like that, that have these couple of weeks where they become absolute superstars. Never Boston do it Scott. again. See yeah. Boston Scott, CJ Anderson, every single year, these guys exist purely to be bought. You've got to remember they're very short term most of the time. So when they're short term, don't waste your whole season's fab on them. 15, 20%, absolutely. You know, spend spend the money to manufacture wins to get you to the playoffs is absolutely fine. Um, I think running backs 
in situations like I've mentioned are far more valuable than wide receivers. In, in There's always a wide receiver that will always be relevant. Again, a wide receiver two on a bad team, um, I mean, a bad offensive team playing against a bad defense is always going to be more valuable than someone who's just going to luck into timeshare because wide receiving, you know, this, you play the position. It's about rhythm. It's about timing. It's about connection with the quarterback. Just because Devonte Adams goes down doesn't mean that um, Alan Lazard becomes all of a sudden a wide receiver one that didn't happen last year. It never happens like that. You have to build rapport and chemistry. It could be a guy who saw Greg Ward coming last year. Like didn't happen. So, don't don't waste the same values on wide receivers as you do on running back. If, listen, if Wayne Gorman has two big weeks because Barkley's injured all day long, spend twenty percent of the fab. Like no problem. Like you you can buy two wins with that. That's that's good money. It's, and that's how you got to kind of see it. Is this guy going to win me a week this week? Yeah, I'll spend twenty percent of the fab. Spend a hundred percent of the fab. That one win. If you go down the playoffs, you lose a player and you can't replace him. Yeah. You, and it happens every year. Every year, these teams spend these money to get these players, get to the playoffs. Then all of a sudden, they lose a player. And there's me with like $35 left. I'll go spend a little bit to go and block the player just so they can't buy him. Yeah. Well, I so say you only have to put in one, one, one dollar fab, don't you? Because they've got nothing. Yeah. One, so, five, whatever yeah. it be. Yeah, if yeah. there's a couple of other teams vying for him, uh, you know. But yeah. also, to, the fab is there to spend. You, you yeah. want to go into week 16 with very minimal amount of fab. No, very, very much agree with that. Uh, pretty much, I've really enjoyed that uh, Dynasty Deep Fight Dive. Hopefully, some of the listeners out there that may be new to D- Dynasty this year have picked up a few tips and tricks. And obviously, we've given you some tips and tricks on how to draft uh, in all the different rounds as well. And also, if you do punt a position uh, such as quarterback or tight end, uh, make sure you go and follow Murph and his work. So during the season, uh, on on how he's doing with that, uh, Murph, just to give us give us a, a rundown on, on your social medias uh, across for yourself and and of course your your, your great podcast. Yeah, so you, you can uh, find me at Murph underscore NFL. You can find uh, the main handle uh, at Five Yard Rush. You can find the college guys at, at Five Yard College. Um, you can reach out to me anywhere you like. Um, we've also set up uh, a Patreon, which is all on the on the website, fiveyardrush.co.uk. That's where all the articles will be held. Um, Patreon tiers are, are very cheap. Um, starting at $3 a month, I'll do up to three cost, custom tiers for your league. So if you're in a, a league with some unique settings, you, know, you can sign up for, for $3 a month and you can, uh, you can get those. Um, and then there'll be opportunities for like leagues. There's loads of other benefits you get from that. So um, pretty inexpensive, but uh, you get a lot for it. Um, but on top of that, just, you know, following me doing podcasts, we, I do a streaming podcast once a week um, on, the, on, on the site during the season. So you'll find that in the podcast feed. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, buy the book. It'll give you an understanding of the concept. You can buy that on Amazon if you want the hard copy. If you don't, you can buy it direct um, from the website and buy a PDF. If you use uh, the code FULL10, um, you get it at the lowest price, which is five ninety nine. Uh, through pdf and if you don't buy the amazon uh, pdf version or kindle version it's just going to cost you more money and i can tell you how to put it on the kindle so if you're really struggling let me know and i can i can do that for you there you go and of course uh, yeah don't forget you we are giving away an ffcc spot um say murph's 
Murph's big best ball tournament and uh, fantasy playbook and say just DM us with the hashtag always at Jarwin because uh, you know hashtag always Jarwin but Murphy it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to have you on always great speaking to you on, on a pod or off a pod uh, I know we speak a lot of, of, of pods as well so uh, pleasure to, to have you on and hopefully uh, we've, we've, we've given some of the guys and some of the listeners out there uh, a few tricks to you know not be too scared to dip their toes into the into the dynasty pool yeah absolutely and if you have any questions just get in touch on the socials and i'll happily answer any you got a draft coming up you need a bit of advice you know uh happy to to steer you in any way i can um whatever you need just uh get in touch and, and we'll help out and you know listen to tim tim's a pretty good fantasy player as well as much as he, he probably won't admit that on here but he's a <laughs> he's he's a, he's a he's a shark in waters let me tell you that <laughs> yeah, baby shark. I won't sing the song. I won't. I won't sing the song. Um, yeah, but that's gonna, that's going to do it for the for the podcast, the fantasy football podcast. Don't forget to check out all our other podcasts on the Full Ten Yards Network. We'll be back very soon, indeed, with another fantasy football edition. But in the meantime, just remember hashtag always job. been listening to the full 10 yards fantasy podcast you can find us on twitter at f10y fantasy and over on our website www.full10yards.com where we cater to all of your american football needs from nfl general fantasy football college football and even brit ball thanks for listening and remember folks keep those eyes peeled